The Athletic. It's Straight Out of Cobham, a show about Chelsea FC from The Athletic. Coming up, we'll look ahead to the visit of Arsenal and the second best hashtag in football. We'll pay tribute to Edin Hazard, do a quiz and round up the rest of the Chelsea news. Available for free wherever you get your podcasts and ad-free on The Athletic. This is Straight Out of Cobham. Back with you then, team, after a little pause for international duty. None of us got called up, but we enjoyed the rest anyway. It is me, Matt Davis-Adams. I'm joined today by The Athletic's newshound, Luke Bosher. How are you doing, Luke? All good, thanks, Matt. Very uh, well rested after the international break. Mm, yes, unlike most of the Chelsea squad. Uh, Dominic Fifield's back with us too. You OK, Dom? I'm very well, thanks, Matt. How are you? I am good. I should just flag at this point, listener, that it is our dear producer Lucy's birthday today. So if you'd like to show her some love, it's Lucy underscore Oliva. That's O-L-I-V-A on X. Send her a happy birthday message. Tell her how much you like her work. I'm sure she would appreciate it and it saves us having to buy her a card. Uh, Right, loads has happened since we last met. Not least the news that Edin Hazard, one of Chelsea's greatest ever players, has retired from football at the age of 32. We'll talk about him later, but first, let's get into Saturday's big game. Uh, I said second best hashtag in football. It's Chiaz this weekend. Always makes me laugh. C-H-E-A-R-S. Dom's just um, putting that together. It sounds like cheers, Dom. That's why I like it. No? Thanks for that, yeah. Okay. If I told you that Arse Cry was my favourite, that would probably make you even angrier, wouldn't it? So, <laughs> <laughs> we'll just move on instead. Uh, for a long time, Chelsea against Arsenal was a home banker. The last time, though, that the Blues took three points against the Gunners at Stamford Bridge was in August 2018. Uh, Liam's got a great piece up on The Athletic ahead of the game about how Chelsea are pining to be top dogs in London once again. Um, Luke, a victory on Saturday would go some way to uh, moving towards reclaiming that status. It'll take a bit more than that, though. But we're going into this game confident, right? Bearing in mind what we saw in the three games before the latest break. Yeah, I think Chelsea going into it in, in really good form. You know, it finally feels like the performances under Pochettino are translating into results. But the inverse of that, Matt, is, you know, obviously it's, it's not a game played in a vacuum. Arsenal themselves look pretty good. They're coming off a big high of beating Manchester City right before the international break. And Arsenal are kind of doing that thing where they're not playing that well in some games, but they're still picking up really good wins. And that's normally the sign of a team who are so well drilled and so talented that, you know, they can only get better, essentially. And you kind of worry that, you know, they might might continue that against Chelsea, but they've got a few injuries uh, of their own to deal with. But as you say, I, I'm kind of going into it optimistic. I, I think there's there's definitely a result to be had for Chelsea, especially at the bridge. Hmm. Arsenal pretty good away though, Dom. Just looking at their games in the league and in the League Cup, they've won them all to nil. They did lose in the Champions League at Lens just before the pause. Is this a good time to play Arsenal for Chelsea? And is that more about Chelsea's form than Arsenal's? Your question. I think that given the momentum that was building at, at Chelsea, they I think the international break's probably come at a bit of an inconvenient time for them. Um, I mean, maybe maybe some of the well, I'd like to have thought some of the players might have been back and you know, but now we're hearing suggestions that there have been setbacks, etc., with injuries. So I'm not even sure they can they can build on that either, which is a which is a great shame. But 
Arsenal, Arsenal are unbeaten in the league, um, joint top of the table. As you say, they've got a great recent record at, at Stamford Bridge. I think they will travel across the capital very, very confident. And I suppose what Chelsea have just got to just hope that there's a bit of maybe a bit of complacency in there as well, that Chelsea can whip up a bit of a frenzy immediately after the the international break. I think it probably helps a bit that it's an, an evening kickoff. I mean, you wouldn't want to be the Merseyside derby playing at you know twelve thirty on a, on a Saturday immediately after an international break. But there'll be a good atmosphere at the bridge. I think that people will be up for it. And this really is the start of a of a run of fixtures that will that will tell us what progress Pochettino has managed to instigate so far at, at Chelsea. That a lot more challenging the games coming up now. Um, really, all the way through to what the game at Everton in mid December. So this will be an indication, the start of a, a run of fixtures that will indicate where we're going with with Pochettino. Yeah, I spoke to him after the Burnley game and, and said, is this international break coming at the wrong time for you? And he basically said no, because it might help us clear up the treatment room a little bit and give me some time uh, on the training pitch. But as we know, that hasn't really happened because we heard yesterday that Carney Chukwemeka and Trevor Chalaber have had setbacks on their recoveries from injury. And also, Luke, Axel Dizazi pulled out of the France squad with a thigh injury. He's a big doubt for this game. Would you would you be sticking Benoit Badia-Shield straight back in there for it's a tough one because I'm always very hesitant to throw players coming back from injury, you know, straight into the fire, particularly with such a big game against Arsenal. But, you know, with Ben Chilwell out, I really would like to see Levi Colwell retain his position as a left back, particularly if Bukayo Saka is fit, because I think that's Chelsea's best chance of containing Saka on that right flank for Arsenal rather than, you know, the alternative really would be to move Colwell to centre-back and play Mark Kukurea or Ian Martson as a as a left-back. And I don't really like that match-up against Saka. So to be honest, Matt, if Badiashil is fit or near, you know, fully fit, I, I think I would throw him straight in there. That's interesting uh, because, Dom, I was going to ask also, are you chucking Reese James straight back in? The club seems to have gone big of uh, putting pictures of him training with everybody else out. It, it would be a massive risk to, to put him and Badia Shield back in at the same time, wouldn't it? Yeah, it's interesting that some, there were some reports emerging on Wednesday that even suggested that, that even since those pictures went out, there, there may have been a setback with James. I mean, we we will only find out really in in Pochettino's pre-match press conference on Friday, I just think that Chelsea with Rhys James are such a different proposition. Uh, He will be chomping at the bit to get back involved and and get playing. And actually, this is the type of game that will get his juices going, flowing, and and he'll he'll want to be out there. And being the leader that that he is in this Chelsea group, the captain of, of this team and this squad, look, it is a risk. And yeah, and with Badia Shield, you know, not having played and since since the spring, it, it, it having two members of your bat line coming back from from relatively long term injury, certainly in 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 James's case, I, it, it would constitute something of a risk, and I, it's probably not the type of risk that Pochettino will take, given that he could put, as Luke says, a Kukurea in at left back if he wants to play Reese James on the right, and if Reese James isn't fit, he's got Malo Gusto who could come back in there. Maybe then you could he could consider doing a badia shield. I w- I would just think that he will have one at most of those of those two who have been injured for so long in in the back four. 
but psychologically seeing Reese James back on the team sheet for a game at home to Arsenal that would be very significant I think yeah it's just that trade-off isn't it what's the psychological blow if after 15 minutes he's doing the well, old yeah. arms rolling gesture and saying I've got to come off again and that's what Maurizio Pochettino's got to weigh up I guess um, some of the players who haven't been away with their countries who would be fit to be selected Kukurea, Sanchez, Sterling, Thiago Silva I guess we'll see all of those uh, I wonder Luke, about Mikhailo Mudrik, heavily linked with Arsenal before he came to Chelsea. Benched against Burnley, but he scored his first international goal over the break. Many thanks to James, who says, I don't know if you're still doing chance suggestions, but I'd like to offer, I like to Mudrik Mudrik. And I think that has got potential. Uh, so does the player. Are you sticking him in here, thinking he might have a point to prove against Arsenal? Yeah, it's a tricky one with those um, those attacking positions, Matt. I think I, I would be inclined to to stick him in I think he will have a lot to prove I think you know there was a lot of Twitter noise in the sort of second half of last season after you know he opted to or ended up moving to Chelsea instead of Arsenal and I just think he is one of those players who's on such an upward trajectory before the international break I'd love to see him continue that on that left flank uh, against Arsenal you know the other side to that is how do you fit all the players in uh, you know, with Raheem Sterling, Cole Palmer. I mean, it, it may end up being that Palmer's the one that misses out. There are, you know, suggestions that he's got an injury as well, which would be a shame because he <laughs> he's building quite a good partnership with Conor Gallagher. But I think for me, I, I like Mudrick. I like his explosiveness. You know, we're going to talk about Eden Hazard later. He's He is a player that can get you off your seat when he, you know, when he's in the right frame of mind. And I, I think, you know, there's... A, invaluable asset to have in big games what a goal as well by the way i mean i know it's against malta but it was a it was quite the quite the run and strike he just comes in carrying all that confidence we saw it just before the international break he was building it up he was contributing significantly for chelsea and i just wonder with this run of games which is slightly trickier when chelsea may not monopolize the ball he would pose such a a, a potential threat on the counter-attack that he he'd imagine that he would have a significant role to play in the team yeah, I actually think for me, in a weird way, if this game was at the Emirates, I would, with you know, with the volatility of that Emirates crowd, and you know, they, they're going to get on his back because you know he's ostensibly not been good since joining Chelsea. But I think with the Stamford Bridge crowd behind him, who will know he's got a point to prove and will will him on, I think that could be really beneficial to him and his confidence. Because I think one thing we've seen from Mudrik, and one thing that we've discussed before, is. You know, sometimes he does snatch at chances or his decision making leaves a little bit to be desired when he's, you know, smashing a ball over the bar or just not quite taking that second to compose himself. And I, but I think in a home game, you know, under the lights at Stamford Bridge, I think I'm well into the narrative. I think he's going to score. <laughs> Um, Cole Palmer, by the way, got a dead leg playing for England under-21s at the world-famous City Ground, so he didn't play in their second game, um, but hopefully he's going to be okay. Raheem Sterling, another man, of course, with a point to prove, so we'll see whether him and Mudrick can get into the same side. Uh, Ian Martson, we haven't seen too much of him from the start. The club have quietly activated a clause to extend his contract to 2025. Presumably that went like this. Let's extend... Ian Martson's contract to 2025. That's how you quietly activate them. Um, I can only assume. Um, Dom, what minute is Kai Havertz going to score in in this game? Oh, God, don't. I mean, I mean, don't. I mean, <laughs> imagine what Liam will go through. Poor Liam, who's currently struggling a bit with illness. But 
on the one hand, he'll be sitting there, this hero scoring a goal, willing away in celebration at Stamford Bridge, and on the other, he'll be cursing him. No, he's not going to score. No chance. Not a chance. No, no way. That's not that that, that narrative has been ripped up and 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 binned a long time ago. How are you feeling about that, Luke? Do you think that, that Chelsea did a really good deal to, to get him out for that kind of money? Or is there going to be a bit of wistfulness at a player who never quite fulfilled his potential and, and the worry that he might do that at a rival? I think there's always a worry when you um, you sell a player to another Premier League rival, especially one that you know still has potential to fulfill. But I think, I don't know, it's an interesting one because I was chatting to some Arsenal mates and I don't think the way that Arteta wants to use Havertz or has used him a lot as a central midfielder. I don't see that as being his best position as a sort of wide number eight, even though I know he did play there a bit at Leverkusen. His assets and his strengths, I think for me, work well as a sort of false nine in the Arteta system in a similar way that Gabriel Jesus does, you know, pressing, running off the ball, hold up play. We saw that for the uh, the goal against Manchester City, you know, Excellent hold-up play from Havertz, I think, to bring in um, bring in Martinelli, who scored the goal, and I just think that's that's where he'll do the most damage. And it would be a surprise to me if he spent most of his Arsenal career as a central midfielder. It is interesting. I mean, obviously, Havertz is the one that draws your eye because of the the fee that that Chelsea secured from Arsenal in the summer for his services, and it's indeed the fact that he's got a, a Champions League winning goal whilst at Chelsea. But but I think the one of the the crux behind Liam's piece earlier this week was very much the the sort of crossover between Arsenal and Chelsea in recent seasons, and, and you can you can throw in, you know, Declan Rice, a player that started off at Cobham and and Chelsea coveted and courted indeed for for a period while he was at West Ham. Jorginho in that in that Arsenal midfield potentially, you know, what happens if Arsenal win a penalty? Are, are Chelsea in a better position to? to be ready to face a confront a, a Jorginho penalty than any other clubs. I mean, Robert Sanchez wasn't at Chelsea when Jorginho was. So, I mean, little things like that. And throw in, going back to the Reese James thing, throw in that tweet that, that Liam used in his intro in that piece. I think one Arsenal fan had optimistically said, tweeted in the summer, you know, what about who's having Reese James at Arsenal then or something like that. And, and Reese James, of all people, just snapped straight back saying, well, not me. It was Reese James to Arsenal, who says no? And he replied, I say no. There you and go. Chelsea Twitter was absolutely delighted. Because it was right around the time that Mount left for Man United, right? Yeah, and Havertz, had, Havertz was going and, and there was an, a lot of uncertainty around the whole, well, certainly in the Mount case with the, the, the Cobham graduates leaving and a lot of uncertainty over Gallagher's future at the time, et cetera, et cetera. So, so I think that was something to latch on to. And, and I think it's another little subplot potentially should Reese James feature in this game on Saturday. I really hope he does because I'm sorry, I'm, I'm a bit of a stuck record on this, but I just think that Chelsea does have a different dimension when he plays. Um, listener, I'm sorry, I should have given you a trigger warning that we were going to talk about Kai Havertz's best position because that really sent a shiver <laughs> down my spine. I was to get back into that again. Just for old time's sake. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if we're being positive, Chelsea targeting a fourth consecutive win in all competitions for the first time since a run of five in October of last year. Uh, if we're glass half empty, looking to avoid a third successive home defeat in the Premier League for the first and only time since October to November 1993 when they lost to Norwich, Oldham and eek Arsenal hopefully not uh, give me a prediction then Luke who's going to win on Saturday uh, I think football's going to be the winner um, and it's, <laughs> I, th- I think it's going to be I'm going to go with two all oh nice yeah um, 
point to be a decent result for Chelsea, would it, Dom? Is that how you see this game? Yeah, I think so. I think I think Arsenal are a different proposition now. I, I was going to go one-one. Uh, I think it'll be really tight, and I, I think I think Arsenal have a bigger test at Stamford Bridge this season than they have had in in the last few visits they've made there, particularly last season, which was a bit of a, a damp squib. But I, I think uh, I think one-one. Okay, if you want to read uh, Liam's preview style piece on that, athletic.com slash Chelsea pod, the place to go to sign up if you aren't currently a subscriber. Maurizio Pochettino, by the way, never lost a Premier League home game against Arsenal. He's won three, drawn three of six thus far. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Elsewhere in Chelsea news, the Board of Trustees for Stoll Veterans Housing Charity have confirmed the sale of their Fulham site in a land deal that expands the footprint of Stamford Bridge for a proposed stadium redevelopment. That's me literally copying and pasting the top line from Liam's piece, which I assume Dom edited, so you can tell us a bit more. Well, I didn't edit it, but... but um... Look, it's been on the cards for a while. I think we first reported it back in June or July this year. Just to fill people in, I mean, it's 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 a 1.2 acre site, basically between Fulham Broadway and Stamford Bridge. And and actually, although that they, they've announced the sale, it won't actually be completed until early next year. And Chelsea probably won't actually have possession of the land until the end of 2025 at the earliest. So it's not as if this is going to instantly spark a redevelopment of Stamford Bridge. And indeed, that whole topic is still very, very much up in the air and and the subject of quite a lot of intrigue, I think, certainly amongst supporters. I've spoken to a few of late. Um, there are lots of rumours doing, doing the rounds at the moment that Chelsea might still be eyeing up buying the old court site with a view to redeveloping that into a new purpose-built stadium for the club. Now, there are obvious issues with that, principle amongst them being the, the, the Chelsea pitch owners, CPO, founded in 1993 to sort of protect property developers ever sort of rendering Chelsea homeless effectively. So if if Chelsea did move, technically, they couldn't take the name Chelsea Football Club with them. Um, so that that is going to be an issue that rumbles on for quite a long time. You know, whether it's more cost effective to redevelop Stamford Bridge and spend a, a long period playing elsewhere while that work is undertaken, or whether it would be better in the long run for the club to develop a new site and and then formally leave Stamford Bridge and move straight into a new home. Personally, I and I'm not a fan of Chelsea Football Club, so forgive me, but I can't imagine Chelsea Football Club playing anywhere other than Stamford Bridge. That's just my opinion. I mean, you guys may have may, may differ on that, but to me, Chelsea and Stamford Bridge go together hand in hand and, and the idea of moving somewhere else is almost abhorrent, really. Um, but, and I know a lot of, supporters feel strongly about that and it's going to be probably a divisive issue in this club for a, a while yet before a decision is made by this ownership by cpo by the fan groups as well as to where the future of the club lies and on which site luke you're a chelsea fan what, what would you rather be doing playing away from from stanford bridge for i don't know three years well it's 
redeveloped and, and staying at home in the long term or, or moving to a brand spanking new purpose built just down the road? I don't know. I'm, I feel like I'm a little bit diplomatic on this. I think my sort of quick answer is I'd, I'd like to do what's best for Chelsea Football Club in terms of cost, really, because, you know, I think we've seen with, you know, Everton, for example, uh, that I know Dom is very well versed in the trouble with their stadium. Uh, and their plans right now that's you know that's not a situation that Chelsea want to get themselves into and I think you know we saw Tottenham play at Wembley for a few seasons and that didn't really go well but then you know the flip side of that is they've got you know one of the best stadiums in England now so it's really difficult because you you do have to take the emotion out of it I think and I love Stamford Bridge you know it's the first football ground that I went to I've been there many times but I think sometimes it's not an easy decision to take and I, I wouldn't blame the club if they decided to that the best thing to do was just to start afresh as Dom said and move to a potentially new site still in the sort of West London vicinity hmm. we'll have to keep an eye on that I guess for every Tottenham you've got a, a West Ham as well so very very difficult decision but this is the kind of stuff that the Athletic does brilliantly so it's the best place uh, to keep up to date with all the developments thereon. Uh, in terms of the other Chelsea sides this weekend, the women's team unbeaten at the start of the WSL season. Their most recent match saw them beat West Ham 2-0 at Kings Meadow. Uh, fairly routine by the sounds of that, but maintains this unbelievable run. They've won their last 17 home league games, not dropped points at either Kings Meadow or Stamford Bridge in the WSL since a goalless draw with Arsenal in February 2022. The last team to win a league game at Chelsea were Brighton. And that's who's coming to town this weekend. Uh, that was way back in February 2021. Luke, is Emma Hayes the kind of manager who says this were the last lot to beat us here? Don't let it happen again. Or is that not even a factor? I think yes. I, th- I think she uh, will, will certainly be saying that. Definitely in private, maybe not in uh, in public in terms of a pre-match press conference. But I think Chelsea will go into this with huge amount of confidence as you say Matt you know Sam Kerr getting her first goal of the season you know that's a that's a really big boost for Chelsea and you know just before the international break to remain unbeaten in in great form I think it will be top priority for Chelsea and I I do expect them to beat Brian. Uh, in terms of the academy sides, the under-21s host Leicester on Friday night. The under-18s are at Spurs in the Premier League Cup on Saturday morning. You can see that one live on the Chelsea app with me in your ears, or just mute it. Uh, Simon's written about this in his sit-down with infinite athlete guru Charlie Ebersol. They're behind the streaming of these games. The first three of them will be free, and then it's only a pound and 99p per game thereafter. The plan is to show every under-21 and every under-18 game using Infinite Athlete's MVX player. Uh, you can re-watch key moments, follow with stats, all that good stuff. Worth having a look uh, if you like your academy football. I say every under-21 game. Of course, we've got this ludicrous rule from the Premier League whereby clubs aren't allowed to stream under-21 games if there is a Premier League match going on at the same time. So that is the caveat for that. But good to have academy football uh, back on Chelsea platforms again. Right next, we'll do some Edin Hazard memories. Hey, 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 
So it was whilst we were on a break that Eden Hazard announced that he is retiring from football at the age of 32. But he was so good. We're going to talk about him anyway. We asked you for your contributions. Thank you to everybody who tweeted us at SO Cobb and Pod with them. Go through a couple of them and then we'll mention our, our favourite Hazard moments too. Uh, Andrew says, not a single game or goal. Instead, Eden's love of a nutmeg and a Cruyff turn. Gratuitous and silly, but so much fun. And he did them to make fans smile. Uh, Alan says, when he said he had to stop the knee slide celebration because of the friction burns he was getting. That was gold. That was a good little feature uh, I remember us doing on Chelsea TV. Uh, Baseman93 mentions the Sparta-Prague goal. That's a nice one. Uh, remember that very well. A deep cut from someone called Matt, but who's handle confusingly is David Eve 718 he says not a goal but an assist in his first game at the bridge could easily have slotted for his first but laid it on a plate with all the composure in the world um, right Luke the goal that you picked I think is probably just about the majority favorite amongst supporters tell us a bit about it yeah I mean it's that goal against Arsenal Hazard now he's all on his own in the Arsenal half but shrugs off Coquelin what a goal this would be. Hazard, round, scores! What a goal by Eden Hazard! He ran from just inside his own penalty area, shrugged off Coquelin, went round Koscielny, and then placed it past Czech into the left-hand side of the goal. What a fantastic individual goal from Eden Hazard. I think it was 2017. I think it was the, it's the right year. It's just, I mean, I just I remember watching it. I think it was in the living room with my dad, and I think, it was one of those moments where we sort of both were up off the sofa after it. It was just that good. And like, it, you know, eyeballs like saucers, you know, to, to sort of describe it uh, with words, I'll basically attempt to do your job, Matt. You know, he, he picks the ball up after I think it's a, it's a knockdown from Diego Costa, takes it past Lauren Koscielny, I think, who he ends up beating about four times during this run. And then that it's it's that one moment where Francis Coquelin is on his back and somehow ends up in a spin cycle. I, I still don't physically, you know, from like a physics point of view, know what happened, how it happened. Coquelin ends up on the deck. Hazard's still running. I think there's about five or six defenders closing in on him. There's no Chelsea player around. He's on the right-hand side, which I think for Hazard is unusual. It's not a position, you know, we often, we associate him playing for Chelsea, you know, he's always on the left or or in the middle, but, you know, there he is running through on goal, beats Koscielny again, I think. There's another, a right back comes across who can't get there as well. You know, Hazard's in the box and then somehow, you know, evades the challenges, finishes it, you know, past Petr Cech, I think, of all people in the Arsenal goal. And it's just an absolutely magical goal. It's just pure brilliance, really. There's no one else, I think, in the Premier League at that time who could have scored that goal. Yeah, it's giving me goosebumps thinking about it. Um, Dan also chipped in on that one, says, got to be the Arsenal goal or just the way he ran the Europa League final. And Jenny said, when when he sat down half the Arsenal team before scoring an absolute peach and Diego Costa just stood on the halfway line to watch him do it. If you watch that goal again, it's worth watching Costa because he technically gets the assist, but it's the least assisty assist you've ever seen in your life. Um, Dom, you've gone for another one, which is is very famous in Chelsea folklore against the North London side. Yeah, I ended up with Spurs, uh, the goal that, that claimed the, the title for, for Leicester City. Costa lets it run across him, breaks to the edge of the box, tries to fill it full. Oh, what a goal by Eden Hazard! That's incredible! What a curler from just inside the box! Hugo Lloris got nowhere near it! That is a sensational goal by Eden 
win the title for Leicester City. We have still got seven minutes to go at Stamford Bridge. Tottenham led 2-0, but it's all square. It's a wonder goal by Eden Hazard. Chelsea 2, Tottenham 2. I mean, look, it was a great goal, brilliantly curled into the corner, and the, the drama of the occasion obviously lends itself to to elevating it up to great status. But it was more the context of it all. That, that, that had been Eden Hazard's worst season as a Chelsea player. I think he'd, he'd scored a brace against Bournemouth about 10 days before the Spurs goal. And those were his first Premier League goals since the tap-in from the penalty that had won Chelsea the title against Palace the previous May. So he hadn't scored in the league at all that season until the Bournemouth match. He'd had this hip problem that had really troubled him and nullified him through much of the campaign. That season had seen the unravelling of Jose Mourinho's second stint in charge. Eden had sent Mourinho a text of apology for just just because he couldn't contribute to to sort of lift Chelsea out of this rut they found themselves in it was it was extraordinary at the time i know chelsea obviously endured a lot of it, actually a worse season last year but at that time in in that era it felt extraordinary for chelsea to be struggling the way they were and it, it just showed that that when he wasn't playing well chelsea just didn't function in the same way and the, the significance of him to that team but he was it was a brilliant goal and for him to sort of from the dregs of that dreadful season for him still for the second year running to effectively score the goal that claimed a team the title I thought was was telling and said everything about the the man's timing in 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 many ways he just had that that ability to on the biggest stage and at that point Chelsea were desperate desperate for to have something to remember that season fondly for and that was the moment just Okay, just to spite an opponent, but a rival, but but the drama of it just summed up Eden Hazard. Yeah, and there were a couple of doubters amongst Chelsea supporters at that stage because his season had been so poor, but um, that won them back over, I'm sure. Uh, me and Elliot on Twitter both went for, for West Ham at home in 2019, that brilliant Maisie, not dissimilar to Arsenal, first of a brace for him in a, in a 2 0 win. Hazard's got some space here, and off he goes. Through the gears, through the top, into the net. Genius. There's no other word to describe him. He's the best around. Eddie Hazard with another moment of individual brilliance. There aren't many people in the world who can do that. He makes it look easy. I remember this very well because I was commentating on it. It's my favourite piece of commentary. Not because it was good, just because it was an amazing goal. Uh, but also, I just remember the look on the faces of the other people in the gantry who were Pat Nevin, Clive Walker and Jason Gundy. And you've got two of Chelsea's best wingers and one of their most rabid supporters. And everybody just had their jaws on the floor. And when we picked him up, we, we were almost laughing at the absolute brilliance of the man and the fact that, that he'd just done what we'd just seen. It was a phenomenal, phenomenal goal. But also, it was kind of bittersweet because we realised at that point we weren't going to get to see him at Stamford Bridge uh, much more. It was near the end of the season. We all knew he was going to go off to, to Real Madrid. And I think it was just an air of gratitude, really, amongst a lot of people in the stadium that we, we'd seen... I don't know, maybe, maybe Chelsea's greatest ever player, certainly in the conversation, therefore. And, and to get to witness him at the absolute peak of his powers was was a proper joy. He's, he's my favourite ever footballer by a long way. And, and that was just a way to, to rubber stamp his brilliance, I think. 
it's funny, Matt, Matt, Matt we, we, we're, we're two neutrals who attended that game. You've obviously picked it out as your favourite bit of commentary. I reckon I wrote an 800-word match piece for The Guardian on that. Then about the first 400 words were all just describing that goal. And we're neutrals. It, it was just sublime. And the bloke was incredible at, at doing that, just, just producing these moments of joy that, that any football fan of any allegiance just looked at. And as you say those jaws hit the floor. I mean, I, I was lucky enough to interview him three times for, for pieces for The Guardian over the years. And and one of those occasions, it was in the Dome at Cobham, uh, which they just opened, I think, that season. And the club had invited, through their foundation, they'd invited a load of local school kids down. Uh, and Eden appeared um, and was going to go and sort of do a training session with them, but they didn't know. And, and the looks on their faces when Eden had us strode across this indoor pitch uh, and they realised who it was. I mean, he's only about as tall as they were, to be fair, but but they just like, they, A, they couldn't believe he was there. And then B, when he actually, they had this kickabout and he was nutmegging them and turning them left, right and centre and spinning them. And those kids must just look back at that occasion and think, wow, I mean, what a time to be alive. Just incredible. I was on the pitch with Eden Hazard and OK, you nutmeg me, but I couldn't get close to him. But it was just magnificent. And that was just him. Joy, joy all the time. Um, even at the hardest times with Chelsea, there was always a smile on his face. And, and that made him a pleasure to to watch and to deal with. Yeah, he had football perfectly in perspective I think um, great thing about the Arsenal goal and the West Ham goal as well is that you kind of nervously waited for the replay thinking oh, has there been a bubble here has he got a little bit lucky and then when you see ah no he's just absolutely brilliant um, and that I also think applies to the last goal we're going to talk about we'll leave the last word to the birthday girl uh, Lucy you've picked I think what is probably I think all these goals are pretty close together but you can't mention West Ham and Arsenal and Spurs without mentioning your one Yes, uh, it is the goal of the season, actually, for 2018-19. The goal against Liverpool. Hazard gets it back. Wriggles away from Keita. Oh, that's absolutely brilliant from Eden Hazard! What a player he is! That is outrageous! Smash and grab in front of the Chelsea fans. I think I, along with many Chelsea fans, kind of predisposed from birth to despise Liverpool. And it was only the third round of the League Cup, but there was still a lot of spice in that game. And again, it was obviously the real because you say to those other goals, but the way he just weaved past everyone, started the move and then just left everyone in his wake. It was a thing of absolute beauty and such a pure strike uh, from the edge of the box. And again, like Luke, I remember it so vividly. I remember just losing my mind at it. So, oh, he was just wonderful. And it's quite emotional. It's weird. Yeah. I feel like I'm, I'm emotional. My older years are gaining <laughs> on me, but you do sort of reminisce about these moments, realise how lucky we were, and uh, what a guy. And I always used to love when you'd be at games and you'd cu- he'd come out after with all these little kids running around. Like you could just tell he was a proper family man, so dedicated to football, dedicated to his family, just like an amazing example for other young. Yeah, it's funny you say that, Lucy, is is like a Chelsea fan because I think. You know, weird comparison, but there's a bear with me. There's there's sort of an internet trend going around right now where, you know, girls ask their boyfriends, you know, how many times a day do you think about the Roman Empire? Right. And obviously, you know, most normal people are like, never. And I think the Chelsea equivalent of that, especially since he left, is how many times a day do you think about Eden Hazard? And it's probably about two or three. To be honest, you know, just, you know, I was, you know, on my walk to work, I was just like, oh, yeah, that goal against West Ham. What about that? You know, it's just absolutely magical. 
Love the guy. Yeah, he did get that other brilliant goal in front of the cop as well, didn't he, against Liverpool? That's kind of a, a slightly forgotten one. But anyway, Edin Hazard, a genius. We wish you well in whatever you do next and, and thanks for the memories. All right, is that the end of the Edin Hazard stuff on this podcast? Well, here's a message I received from listener S. Johnson, who writes, just an idea for you, Matt. How about an Edin Hazard-themed quiz? Oh, God. <laughs> Let's do it. Three questions each. Dom, you're up first. Against whom did Edin Hazard score his first Chelsea goal? Um, so his debut was at Wigan, wasn't it? But I don't think he scored in that game. Um, in any competition? Yep. Oh, God's sake. So 12-2012-13... <laughs> I mean, the random <laughs> Premier League clubs from 2012-13. I mean, it's re- that gives you a chance. You can just have a guess. Uh, West Ham. Luke, good opportunity to steal early doors. Um, I'm going to say that you're trying to play mind games with Dom here, Matt. Was it Crystal Palace? It was certainly not. was not. <laughs> <laughs> It was a penalty, like the one that he got uh, the rebound off to win the league for Chelsea. It was a penalty against Newcastle on the 25th of August, mm. 2012. Uh, so, Luke, that leads me to ask, against whom did Edin Hazard score his last Chelsea goal? I should have I should have definitely seen this coming. Um, <laughs> that's 20... You can use logic to get this here. Well, that's... Oh, that's... This is a shambles. Arsenal? <laughs> Yeah, it was Arsenal. Yeah, yeah. yeah. in Baku, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. he got yeah, two yeah. in the Europa, Europa League, League final. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, Dom. If you didn't like the first one, you're probably oh. not going to like this one much either. What was Hazard's squad number when he first joined Chelsea? Oh, uh... got a feeling Luke knows this. Not to put any pressure on you. What? Although, actually, to put some pressure on you, because you've been pretty mean to your opponents in recent weeks. Well, I haven't been mean. <laughs> Certainly to Liam, although he's been woefully short of form, in fairness. Anyway, Edin Hazard's squad number. So presumably it wasn't like a 10, um, for God's sake. No, one matter was 10 when he joined, when Hazard joined. Okay. I've got a funny feeling that Oscar was like an 8. Was he 18? Oh, it's good, but it's not right, Luke. You're one out, Dom, I believe 17. it's 17. Yeah. yeah. 17 is right. Okay, so Luke is 2 0 up here all of a sudden. Uh, if you put this in, it's looking very good. Who was fouled, Luke, for the penalty that Hazard converted to win the 2018 FA Cup final against Manchester United? 2018. Uh, <laughs> I have genuinely no idea, so it's going to have to be a guess as to you know, who was in the squad at that time. Um, was it was it Victor Moses Dom chance to get on the board here complete guess because I can't remember was it Eden Hazard (laughs) it was Eden Hazard yes (laughs) (laughs) bit of a trick question a little bit cheeky Uh, Dom here's your final question of regulation time which football league team did Hazard once mistakenly refer to as a type of fruit? 
You'll know this. If you don't know it, when I tell you, you'll go, oh, yeah, of course. I 100% know this, Dom, not to add any pressure. <laughs> what? So it's a current football league team. Yeah. Hazard was referencing them and he called them something which made everybody last. It wasn't pair to Bree United. <laughs> that got the uh, tumbleweed that it deserved. Just looking at the league tables, see if I can come up with any others. Uh, Bananasley? Barnsley? No. Wasn't Matt, you're just, you're just putting it all off now. <laughs> Um, am I even allowed a clue? Uh, no. It's oh. a type of fruit. Sounds a bit like the team. Uh, oh, uh, shall I give you the league? Seeing as yeah. you're struggling a bit. They're in League One. Right. So they would have been playing against them in League One. The League One team sounds a bit like a fruit. Um... Tell you what, this is great listening. This is. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like a fruit. Yeah, gonna have to push you. Sounds like you're not gonna get there anytime soon. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, hold on. It's got to be. Sounds like a fruit. Lemon Orient? <laughs> well, that's not bad, actually, but it's wrong. Go on, Luke, tap it in. I believe it was uh, Shrewsbury Strawberry. That's right. Uh, yeah. Do you not remember that, Dom? He was like, uh, and we played uh, Strawberry? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and the other diplomatic, Lee Parker, said, Shrewsbury. Uh, Shrewsbury, Shrewsbury, yes, Shrewsbury. We played Shrewsbury. Uh, the game against uh, Strawberry? Yeah. Shrewsbury. Shrewsbury, right? Strawberry. It's the same for me. All right. Well, Luke, you are 3-1 up here. Uh, this is your last question of regulation time. Dom very nearly mentioned it. I thought I was a bit twitchy when we were doing our Hazard chat. In 2015-16, it took Hazard until January to score his first Chelsea goal of the campaign. Who did it come against? Oh, I remember this. Oh, was that it? Mm, doesn't really matter, though, because Luke's already no, won. But... He's won, isn't he? <laughs> uh, again, um, it's, I've, not, I've not got the, uh, the, the memory for that. Uh, I, I mean, I've just, I've guessed Everton. Uh, it's not right. That was MK Dons. It was MK Dons at Stadium MK. I was just trying to think if there was a type of fruit that MK Dons sounds like. But... Um, no. no. <laughs> I was trying to work in kumquat, but I was trying too hard, really. Let us know. SO Cobham Pod uh, is the place to go to to get. Because, I don't know, MK kumquat? Is, no, it doesn't work, does it? Never mind. Uh, the tiebreaker would have been what liquor is the ball boy he kicked now a multi-millionaire magnate of. Uh, for clarity, he did, he did yeah. not kick the ball, boy. He kicked the ball, and also he was a ball man. But yeah, it's um, vodka, Swansea, wasn't it? Yeah, um, yeah, good. Wasn't he the son of one of the directors at the club? Yes, that was a mad night as well. Yeah, it, his dad's a millionaire as well. So it's not quite the um, the feel-good story that you think it is. Anyway, good luck to that child who's a multi-millionaire from doing not very much. <laughs> <laughs> um, Dom, what's up on The Athletic now that people should be reading, please? Well, there's size, very good infinite athlete piece. We've got a nice piece going live on Friday, I hope, from Liam. Um, get well soon, Liam, um, who is writing about uh, doing some analysis of Robert Sanchez. Liam does these analysis pieces really, really, really well. And it'll be well worth the read. And uh, yeah, and then Simon's going to the uh, the game over the weekend. So I'm sure there'll be some decent stuff on that. 
Luke, anything in the world of news we should know about or anything that you've enjoyed particularly on the site of late? I don't want to give too much away about it because it's a uh, it's a really good story. But uh, Stu James has done a great piece that's up uh, about Kevin Cullis. Uh, and that's all I'll say on that. Very, okay. very worth a read, that one. Nice tease as well. Athletic.com slash Chelsea pod, the place to go to sign up if you aren't currently a subscriber uh, many thanks to Dom to Luke to Lucy for taking some time out on her birthday to put this all together for you and to you for listening we're going to be back on Monday when we will hopefully be reveling in the joy that was Chia's join us for that if you can until now though have a great weekend and we shall see you soon goodbye The Athletic <laughs>